Chapter 2. Tarot Cards Never Tell You What's for Dinner When Pau opened the door to apartment C, the smell of inc incense was overwhelming. That meant her mom was reading tarot. Pau's steeliness started to buckle. Her mother only consulted the cards when things weren't going well. Mom, I'm home, Pau called, dropping her backpack on the living room floor. There had to be 15 candles burning on the shelf above the serape-covered couch. Green candles, Pau noted. She only burned those when they needed money. Well, more than usual, anyway. In here, mijita, her mom called from the dining room slash kitchen, which only took about five steps to reach in their tiny apartment. Pau pasted on a smile as she crossed the threshold hoping not to notice any other signs of bad news. Her mom sat cross-legged in the paisley upholstered dining chair, her dark hair in a messy bun held with a single chopstick. Her eyes were narrowed and a tarot and at a tarot spread on the weathered kitchen table, incense smoke swirling around her. You know, Pau said, if we had a dog, he could bark for help when you pass out from all this incense and one of the candles sets the house on fire. The smoke alarm had stopped working a year ago, but the manager of the Riverside Palace hadn't responded to multiple requests, from Pau, of course, to replace it. Pau's mom smiled back from the tiny table, but her eyes were tired. My old soul baby, she said, reaching out to squeeze Pau's hand. You've always been the adult around here. A sadness settled in Pau's chest. Mom had said it lightly, like a joke, but Pau didn't think it was funny. They were always speaking to each other in a kind of code disguising important facts. Pau wished that, for once, they could just talk. That not everything had to be signs and candles and old souls and two real jokes. Do those cards say anything about what's for dinner? Pau asked, trying to hold on to her smile even though the incense smoke was giving her a headache. Oh no, her mom said. Is it that time already? She pushed aside her two long bangs and looked in disbelief at the glass door to the patio. Twilight had settled over the crowded ter terracotta pots where Pau's mom grew herbs and flowers. Pau tried to quash a feeling of irritation. Had her mom really been so wrapped up in the cards that she didn't notice the time? It wasn't like the whole sky-changing colors thing was easy to miss. But of course, her mom didn't allow clocks anywhere she did divination work. She always said, along with cell phones and microwaves, clocks messed with the vibe. Apparently, the ancestors couldn't get to her through all that noise. And the ancestors, among other things, protected them from the ghosts. Too bad they can't also protect us from the rent going up, Pau thought. Her mom tried to hide that kind of stuff from her. But Pau trained her observational powers constantly. She didn't miss the notices with red rectangles around the past due amounts. Pau never would have admitted it out loud, but her mind went immediately to Emma, who was probably sitting down to a meal consisting of multiple food groups right now meat and potatoes and something green that her parents would bribe her with to with ice cream to finish at emma's house they didn't have to joke about fire hazards or who the real adult was as quickly as the thought landed pa swatted it away it wasn't fair mom's doing the best she can plus they were a team and pa didn't want to know what would happen if either of them believed otherwise even for a minute Pau's mom got up and rummaged in the freezer until she found a Ziploc bag full of Senora Mata's cheese and jalapeno tamales. I forgot we had these, she said, turning around and preheating the oven before Pau could check the leftovers closely for freezer burn. It'll only be 45 minutes, okay? Some brain food for your experiments. On her way back to her seat in front of the tarot cards, her mom kissed her on the forehead, which only made Pau feel worse. 
You know, I'm actually not that hungry anymore, Pa said, even though she was. Right then, the urge to get out of the incense-filled kitchen and to be alone with her guilty thoughts was stronger than the urge to eat. Plus, leftover tamales always got dry and rubbery when they were heated in the oven, and the cheese ones were her least favorite kind. We had a lot of junk food this afternoon. I think I'd feel a stomachache coming on. Let me get you some peppermint tincture, her mom offered, turning too fast. Two tarot cards fluttered down like dry leaves in a gust of wind. It's okay, really, Pau said quickly. I'm just going to go lie down. You sure? Her mom asked. You know, a cuckoo can hear a growling stomach from miles away, and I'm working late at the bar. I won't be here to chase him out of your room tonight. Her mom's face was somber, but the boogeyman story was so juvenile it only made Pau more eager to escape. She hated pitying her own mother. It felt like wearing a shirt that didn't fit right. That doesn't even make sense, Pa said. What kind of monster would want to eat a skinny kid? Pao didn't know why she had posed that question. It wasn't like she wanted to hear her mom's rebuttal. But none came. Her mom's eyes were glued to the floor, probably already drawing some significance from the way the cards had landed under the table. On another day, Pao might have jokingly asked if the tower and the fool cards meant they could get a dog. But today, for a reason she didn't fully understand, she just left the room without saying goodnight. Emma's mom would follow her daughter into the hallway at a time like this. Pau would have bet her Celestron Beginner's microscope kit on it, and not just because the microscope was totally inadequate for someone at her skill level. But Pau sat on her bed alone, surrounded by the pictures of the SpaceX and Blue Origin launches she'd printed out at the library, the, color, the colored ink streaky and dull, taped to the wall above her desk, which was her grandma's old sewing table, though it didn't have any drawers was last year's science project on algae farming. She'd won first place without even mentioning the organism's potential to power rockets. Meanwhile, her mom burned candles in search of money to pay bills and thought the right card layout would keep ghosts and monsters away. Maybe, Pal thought sleepily, if she had enough algae, she could blast herself right out of this place. In her dream that night, Pal walked along the river, and above her was a darkness so absolute it made her shudder. A green glow emanated from the water, and as she made her way toward it, she saw silhouetted shapes beneath, passing back and forth in a haunting kind of dance. She knelt on the bank, sensing the fabric of the dream bending and shimmering around her. But even as she recognized the surreality, she was excited about finding bioluminescent creatures this close to home. Would they stay still long enough to let her get a good look? One of the creatures broke the surface, and Pao leaned closer, mesmerized by the pale grace of it the long finger-like tentacles reaching for the sky. But it was one of those tentacles, but was one of those tentacles wearing Emma's ring? Heart-shaped and set with a real ruby, it was kind of hard to mistake, even from a distance. That's when Pal realized they weren't tentacles. It was a hand, a human hand, with fingernails painted as sparkly purple. She tried to scramble back from the river's edge, but the hand grabbed her by the wrist, the ruby ring glinting in the green glow from the water. Pau screamed, a high, hollow sound drowned out almost instantly by an unearthly wailing that kicked up all around her like a gust of wind. Pau was pulled farther toward the water's terrifying depths, her shoes and socks getting soaked as she fought futilely against the hand's inexorable grip. The crying grew louder. It grew louder still as she stumbled and fell to her knees. But somehow it was loudest of all when, she, when the hand pulled her under the water's surface. Pau woke in a panic. Half off her mattress, a scream lodged in her throat. It was a dream, she told herself. Just a dream. 
the weird splash she'd seen yesterday and its weirder lack of ripples came to mind. It must have seeped into her subconscious. Pow pulled out the clandestine taped together alarm clock that she kept under her bed. It read 1.15 a.m. A grumble erupted from her stomach, making her think of El Cuco and her mother's warning. She'd fallen asleep in her clothes, even her shoes. Pao breathed deeply, trying to calm her racing heart, focusing on the glow and the dark stars on her ceiling as the dream's images slowly faded. It had been a long time since she'd dreamed of drowning. She'd had her first riverbank dream when she was nine. Nothing much had happened in it, but for third grade Pao, that terrible, utterly dark sky had been enough to make her wake up screaming, drenched in sweat, and send her running to her mother's room for comfort. Throughout the rest of elementary school, she'd had the dreams at least once a week. Her mom had been at a loss. She'd invited Kurandera friends and other healers to try to purge whatever was haunting Pal, but nothing worked. After that, they'd gone to a real doctor's office where nurses attached things to Pal's head and screened her for all kinds of conditions she didn't have. Eventually, Pal was referred to a child psychiatrist, one of her one her mom would never have been able to afford. Pao was midway through fourth grade by then, and even at that age, she noticed the dark circles under her mom's eyes from being awakened so often. The wrinkles that appeared on her forehead every time the doctor suggested a new treatment or a test their insurance didn't cover. So Pao had stopped running to her mom. She pretended that the dreams had gone away on their own. Over time, they became just another strange part of her life, one she hardly thought about beyond the first few terrifying moments after she woke up but she'd never dreamed of a disembodied hand before, and definitely not one wearing Emma's ring. When her pulse had returned to its normal resting rate, more or less, Pao shook herself mentally, cursing her mom for telling her scary stories at such a young age. There's no such thing as ghosts, she told her reflection in the window as she kicked off her shoes, even though she looked a little like a spirit herself, pale in the warped glass. Hypothermia, cold pockets, submerged branches, invisible currents. Pao recited the true dangers of the river like a mantra, they were a mile away, no threat to her in this quiet apartment. Hypothermia, cold pockets. The hallway was empty, the apartment quiet as Pow headed for the kitchen. Her mom always left for her waitressing job at 8.30, and she didn't come home until closing time, around 2 a.m. If anyone asked, Pow was supposed to say that Dante's abuelo watched her at night, and she had for a while. But when she turned 10, Pow petitioned to be allowed to sleep in her own bed, tired of the stiff, uncomfortable sofa at Dante's. Her mom, so concerned with supernatural threats, had been less concerned with real-world things like home invasions and electrical fires and child protective services, and Pow had gotten her wish. Strange as her mom's priorities were, Pow knew she was grown up enough to keep herself safe. As if to prove the point, she walked through the living room, checking all the incense burners and candle glasses to make sure everything had been extinguished. Tonight, she noted gratefully, they had. Her mom had even remembered to lock the door behind her, though Pao wasn't sure why. She was pretty sure La Llorona wouldn't be deterred by anything as pedestrian as a deadbolt. Pao didn't let herself think about the ghostly hand from her dream, or the wailing. The memories were already starting to fade. If we had a dog, we wouldn't need to worry about monsters and ghosts, Pao grumbled, even though there was no one around to hear her perfectly sound argument. The Moscow watchdog was widely considered the best breed for home protection, but their large size made them impractical for apartments. Staffordshire Terriers were more sensible size-wise, but apartment managers didn't love their resemblance to the pit bull. There was a perfect breed out there somewhere, Pow knew. She just had to keep looking. 
In the kitchen, she planned to eat cereal from the box until her stomach quieted down, but she found a plate covered by a pot lid. It held two of the three cheese quesadillas and a note. In case you get worried about El Cuco, I love you. This time, Pal made a conscious decision not to compare the note or the chewy, the cold chewy tamales to what was probably happening at Emma's house. But even so, disappointment in her own life took up more space in her stomach than the food.